0: hello again everybody welcome to the two-man game here on claves online i'm bob ramsey that's my partner matt Rocchio, and uh i'm not in my home studio uh i guess it's two shows in a row where i've been out and about on a basketball court and today i'm at chaffetz arena as the billikens get set to take on dayton matt how are you
1: i'm doing great rammer i'm doing great ready for a great game today
0: yeah looking forward to it um before we look at what's going to be happening here in, uh, what, two hours, um, I, I want to go back and talk about what the Billikens did at George Mason. Uh, for those who don't know, double overtime victory against Mason, who had been one of the hottest teams in the Atlantic 10. And um, it, it was a game of performance by point guard Uri Collins that is uh, without a doubt in one of those small handful of games under the category of a single player putting a team on his back and refusing to lose or willing them to win. Um, and it, the, a couple of others that come to mind real quickly. Um, in 1990, March 1st, Anthony Bonner at Loyola, 45 points, 20 rebounds and an overtime win. And uh, and then in uh, Larry Hughes' senior uh, only year, Uh, Larry fed Marquette 40 and kind of at Marquette and kind of took us uh, to victory. But Uri Collins, 35 points rock and the game winner going the length of the floor in like five seconds and uh, hitting the shot. Um, uh, I've been thinking about it and talking about it for the last couple of days. Give me your thoughts.
1: I mean, it was incredible. I mean, I mean. It was a double overtime game, so obviously it gives you a, little, a couple more minutes to, to get some numbers in there. But if you look at what they did, Slew scored 92 points. Uh, by my count, Yuri Collins combined with his 35 points and what his 13 assists created, he was responsible for about 67 of those 92 points. Crazy. So yeah, anytime that you're responsible – for two thirds of your team's offense, and that's an, an offense when you're putting up 90 points in the first place. And we're talking about the game-winning shot. We're talking about you know keeping you in the game with those early three-pointers right off right out of the gate. I mean that that mid-range jumper he hit. The, the possession after he missed that three bad was just a huge moment to stabilize the game. And he had a lot of those plays too. So I mean it was an incredible game. You know virtuoso performance if you want to say that. He was he was a monster in that game. And if you would have asked me before the season what yuri's you know game high was going to look like for this season i wrongly would have said nowhere close to 35 no so, well who would have exactly and, and you know it's nothing against him but really for me for his Development as a scorer has been most impressive because he's not finishing as well as he did his first couple years. But his shooting, especially that elbow jumper that he gets to late in games a lot of the time, that has been such an improved shot for him that the fact that he might not be finishing the way he wants to hasn't really mattered as much over the last few months.
0: Yeah, you know, um, that shot was something he's really worked on. And, you know, we said at the beginning of the year, him being able to score so defenses can't slack off of him, and and, and 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 be able to help other spots where he's looking to pass. We said that him being able to score again, we didn't think 35, but he's averaging in double digits, and uh, and his assists. Well, heck, he leads the nation in assists. So even though his scoring's gone up, his assists have gone up as well. He's just playing at another level, and 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 that's admittedly with that streak in the middle of the year where he got kind of in a funk and had a a rash of turnovers for four or five games, but that appears to be gone. And uh, his, his level is off the charts.
1: Yeah, it was such an impressive game for him. Jordan Nesbitt also had some, some you know, his usual yeah. just like, you know, highlight plays, just five or six possessions where he does things that make you say, wow, I can't wait to see more of that. And Francis Okoro obviously following out, him having 14 points. I thought he had a great game, um, obviously, before following out, unfortunately. I think two or three of those fouls were a little bit soft. It was a oddly called game, we'll say that. Um, but the big thing that jumped out to me, and Travis Ford commented on this yesterday morning when he was on with um, Randy Garrett, and Dan Dan Mack, was Gibson Jimerson not having a big game, but how important he was to the offense, even when he's not having a big game. And the fact that he's taking shots, and even if he's not making them, he's still taking the same looks later on in the game. There was only one time in the game that really jumped out to me where he kind of didn't take a shot I thought he should have taken, but it was clear that uh, Travis... Made a, made a slight mistake in kind of following out Gibson himself throughout that first half and saying, with two fouls, I'm not putting him back in the game. And so I maybe he, he just wasn't in his groove, but the fact that he wasn't in his groove and he had such a, you know, a tough second half of that first half, I thought it was impressive that he still tried to get his looks in and that helped the offense kind of keep its shape a lot of the times there in the second half.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's reasonable to suggest that um, the foul trouble sort of iced him, whether he comes in or out of the game, you know, if then he goes in the second half and, you know, if he would have gotten a third foul in the first half and then fouls out of the game, we lament that decision as well. So that's a tough one. And, and you know, it was a, a, a horrendous call on his second foul. That's life in basketball, right? Basketball, you know, bad calls are going to come. So how do you react? Uh, how do you deal with it? Uh, and I think, uh, by being dangerous in the second half Jimmerson still helped because he still had to be a main focus to the point on the very last play of the game. No one came to help the kid who was guarding Uri. Uh, did everything he could if you go back and look folks he stayed in front of him. He, he couldn't follow him because he know he knew it was a tie game. Yuri would just have to make one of two so he couldn't follow him. But once he picked him up, oh, outside the three-point arc or so, he stayed in front and made it a difficult shot for Collins. No, no help came, though. That meant the two guys going to the wings, they, they had to respect that.
1: Exactly. And
0: although, in my now if I can go back, they shouldn't have. Yuri no. Collins at that point had 33 points. Exactly. you got to make him give up the ball, right?
1: But that's the and mindset somebody, that Gibson. But that's the mindset that Gibson has created, and that's the important part. He's got to be a part of the offense, even if the shots aren't falling, because yeah. of what it does. Uh, especially now that he, his you know profile has gone up so high as you know, you know, depending on how you look at it, you know, the best scorer in the conference.
0: I'm sorry, I couldn't make that out. It's getting loud in here. Maybe another bad idea by us. But go ahead.
1: Um, one thing. One last thing. Point I wanted to make. Fred yeah. Thatch. And, and the switches oh, that yeah. Travis Ford had to make late in the game because of the fallouts, Lucina Traore was having a little trouble. Adoro's a monster. You can't really fault a guy like like Lasina Traore for having a little bit of trouble. But the fact that Fred Thatch was able to come in on certain possessions and body him up, giving him you know giving four or five inches um, in, in the paint like that, Fred Thatch is such a monster. His defense has been huge, and and no better example than that entire second half plus overtime against George Mason.
0: Yeah, you know, defense is often lost in a game like that. It's so thrilling. But Aduro, who is an unbelievable player, I mean, he had a great game. And Fred guarded him. That near the end of the game. The possession on the right baseline for Fred, he was going to back Fred down and Fred wouldn't let him. And in fact, stopped him and stole the ball. And the Bills turned that into points. Um, there was a, a perfect example of the kind of thing Fred Thatch can do for you against a six nine post player who was having the game of his life. In fact, tied the game at the end of double overtime with a three point shot right before Yuri came down and won it.
1: And the good thing as we look towards today's game is that Slew definitely gets a day off because Duran Holmes, you know, never mind. He's a freshman who's averaging 15 points in conference play. So they don't even get, they get no respite from another dominating forward, uh, not to mention the fact that they have Kamara in there as well. Um, Kobe Elvis has has uh, completely exploded since that game he had against St. Louis. You know, he's right. gone from being a guy who was around eight or nine points. But since that St. Louis game on, he's, let a, he's at about twelve point nine thirteen points per game. So, I mean, they really have kind of exploded since that St. Louis game, which right. they did win. So, I mean, there's a lot of weapons here when we're talking about this Dayton squad today. Well, you know, on Wednesday night, it was the two hottest teams in the league, and now
0: this afternoon, it's the two hottest teams in the league. Uh, I think um, I, I think Dayton's won like six out of seven, four in a row for the Billikens. Yeah, I mean, it's these are two hot teams, and it's the one the one clash today in the Atlantic 10 of two teams in that top echelon playing each other. And uh, the Billikens can win this, they'll be in second place all by themselves, a game out on the lost side behind Davidson and
1: uh, and Dayton, and and leapfrog over the Dayton Flyers. So, uh, go ahead. I think the big thing with this game is I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've had a a game you know, previous on in the season to kind of look back and compare what's going to happen here. So like we were saying, Kobe Elvis kind of exploded in that first game against St. Louis. If you look back at that Dayton game, what were some of the things that kind of hurt St. Louis, and what do you think has changed over the last month that we might see in this matchup?
0: Make me say that one more time.
1: How do you think – C- comparing the last matchup from late January, how do you think St. Louis has improved over the last month, and how do you think oh. that's going to affect the rematch?
0: Well, I think I think depth is a real key. That first, when the Bills didn't have Martin Linson. Okay? Um, and then uh, I think the stats uh, moving into the starting lineup, if you, you've talked about a couple of times on two-man game. And then you take a look at what... Um, Jordan Nesbitt continues to grow. It might seem like small increments, but I think the growth is there. And um, so I think a general overall improvement uh, is key. You know, one of the things I think to look for, and you'll see some of the Dayton guys come behind me as they start warming up, is um, Dayton really, and it goes against what we've seen from Dayton over the years, um, they try to reduce possessions in a game. Uh, In fact, It's the the smallest number of possessions per game in the Atlantic 10. So they really, as much as George Mason wanted to control what was happening, Dayton Flyers really want to control the pace of the game. They move the ball quickly, but they don't necessarily shoot that quickly. And sometimes people confuse the two things.
1: Yeah, the biggest thing, you mentioned Martin Linson. The center-minute uh, breakdown in that late January matchup against Dayton, 36 minutes for Francis Socorro four minutes for Lucina Traore. So yeah. if we're just talking about fatigue and the ability to stick to your man late in a game, which Francis Okoro was having trouble late in that game against Dayton, it's going to be a completely different thing there. The second thing is, the only thing that... Dayton sometimes will allow teams to get uh, a a good amount of three-point shots off. So, the last few games, the last two weeks, St. Louis has trended as a much heavier three-point shooting team. So, let it fly. Let it rain. You're in your home gym. you got your shooting eye. Take as many three-pointers as you want. That's the key to this game again. The center play having that rotation back is going to be the biggest thing. But if they can get any semblance of the shooting they've gotten over the last two weeks, that's going to be the formula to win this game.
0: Yeah, and one more thing. In the first game meeting in Dayton, the Flyers swarmed Uri. He did not have a good game. Why would they change? Obviously, especially with his scoring now, they're absolutely going to swarm him. And uh, so uh, he reacts moreover how uh, his teammates react. They can't stand and watch him in trouble. They've got to, along with the passer who's got to not get caught in those kind of traps, the passees, the intended receivers, they have to work hard to get to angles where Yuri under duress can find them. So you, you, it really is as much on the guys who want the ball as the guy who has the ball in those kinds of situations. You can't stand and watch. Travis today reminded his players, you've got to keep moving. You can't stand and watch against the Dayton Flyers because that's exactly what they want you to do.
1: Absolutely, and the other point you mentioned from that previous game in January, Jordan Nesbitt had just five points on seven shots. If he is at any point a different player in the X Factor, we know he can be in this game, that's just another thing that can completely change how this goes. It was only a five-point loss, and it was a close game throughout. They Obviously, it was one of those games where they had a rough second half. So there are little things that St. Louis can control that can completely change how this game went from when it did in January. That's why, despite the fact that Dayton is so good, they just beat... VCU by 30, it's yeah. not crazy to have some confidence and some optimism here if you're a St. Louis fan.
0: Yeah, you know, um, uh, again, I think all these things we bring up, this is um, this is gonna be one of those clashes of top teams in the league, and, and you know, Travis said this today, he said, these two teams have earned the right to have a big game label put on this game. Both teams have done what they need to do to play well, um, and and they've earned the right. I, as you can see, the white behind me is the, the Billiken Blizzard. Everybody gets a T-shirt, so it's gonna be it's gonna be will look like a blizzard in here. I don't know if it'll be a sellout, but it'll be close. The student section will be overflowing, and you know, Travis said if these two teams were twelve and ten or playing five hundred, you'd have fun. Maybe it's a good rivalry two teams that started playing each other back in 1952 but it wouldn't be the same they've earned the right to have this be a big game day uh, on saturday in college basketball and uh i I think it's going to be an absolute war gotta make sure no flyers are listening and travis really challenged his guys to be very physical today and, and that um that's one of the ways they're going to have to take Dayton out of their offense and defense. Look for a very physical game today from the Billikens.
1: I don't know about you or uh, John Rothstein, but I would call today an underrated matchup between the Billikins and uh, the Flyers on the college basketball slate.
0: Well, and when you look at, at all the ratings, you know, I think mostly we look at the net that supposedly has high value with the NCAA Tournament Committee. Ken Palm is something because of the way it's all broken down we all really respect. If you look at all the ratings, the Billikens and the Flyers are almost dead even. In all of them, except one, I think the Bills are like one slot ahead or two slots. I mean, this, this really is a pick matchup here at Shaper's Arena today, and it should really be a good one.
1: I just, um, got a, I just got a little note here um, as I was kind of making a joke at the expense of our of our good friend John Rothstein not putting St. Louis Dayton on the uh, watch list for today's game as an underrated matchup, um, but he did just tweet out, uh, thank you to Joe Roderick for sending this to me, uh, Elijah Weaver will be available today. He has not played since the 22nd when they lost to George Mason. He had a quiet game, just 5 points, 1 for 6 against St. Louis in their January matchup. So so Elijah Weaver will be back today for Dayton. Um, that's just another wing that, that Dayton can flow out, throw out there against St. Louis, so that gives them a little bit more experience. Um, he's, he's a young team, a lot of freshmen, uh, and Elijah Weaver is one of the few juniors and upperclassmen on this team. So they get one of their uh, veteran leaders back for today's game, so that could be an interesting uh, ripple there for Dayton. They haven't really missed him over the last couple of weeks with how they've been playing, so that's just, you know, kind of a feather in the cap there. There for the Flyers,
0: yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. You know, Anthony Grant brought in this young team that uh, lost three by games in, in Dayton Nation and really around the country, going, "What's, what's going on?" Well, they got too many new guys. It's, you know, it'll be a rebuild. And since then, well, maybe not since then, they've slowly built. But by the time they got to conference play. Grant really has them being, you know, uh, one of the best teams, uh, really one of the best teams in the country. Hey, it's getting louder and louder in here, really having trouble making it out. But I wanted to hear what you, one of your weekend tidbits for the NBA was. And uh, I think it has to do with the Chicago Bulls, right?
1: Yes, it does. Two things. Obviously, the fighting Illini having a good season. Kofi Coburn is a monster. He had 37 points the same night that Yuri had 35. He did it on 16 and 19 from the field against the number 11th ranked Badgers. That was a huge game for Kofi. Again, the Illini are going to keep shooting up boards. Uh, if they can win games like that and, and Plummer um, and, and their wings aren't having a good game, I think Curbelo might have sat out that game as he's kind of still working his way back completely. So, I mean, the Illini right now are killing it. And a former Illini line eye, up the road in Chicago has absolutely exploded over the last two weeks over the last, uh, I'll, I'll say yeah, two, three weeks since January 15th Iota Sunmu, who's averaging just about eight points across the season, has averaged 13 points seven and a half assists and four wow. rebounds on 55% from the field, 44% from deep and 82% from the line and that's on almost four threes per game. Io who has gone crazy right now for the Bulls, and last night he had a huge, and absolutely thunderous dunk late in the game that put the uh, nail in the coffin on a big win over the Indiana Pacers. Bulls fans are going crazy for the, uh, this Illini guy, and now people are wondering how the heck is this guy not a first rounder? The fact that he's shooting at that level, the fact that he's putting up seven assists per game, I would assume he was going off right now for the Bulls. They found a diamond in the rough, and so good for, and good for you know, good for an Illini kid like that to explode for a local team yeah you know i was i wanted to ask you about the student and say um, with
0: this uh emergence is the is it the easy answer the real answer why it's happening is it just takes a while and, and really a while a couple of months to kind of figure out what works what doesn't work and how to go transition from being a great collegian to being a pro
1: I I, I I gotta think it's little things like that but also I ha- with the way his assists have jumped he was averaging under three assists per game and then it's jumped up to about seven assists per game and obviously the minutes have jumped up but his assist percentage his assist per minute all the rates have jumped up as well so I think it's more of him understanding yeah. the offense because this is a guy who's been an athlete and, and he was long for his size you know he's I think he's listed right now by the bulls at six. Uh, He's listed at 6'5". I thought he was still 6'4". So, I mean, he's 6'5". I think his wingspan's around 6'7". So, he's long, and he tries on defense. And in that scheme, with the way that Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball have built, and DeMar DeRozan have built in that defensive scheme, he was always going to get minutes there. So, it's really been, for me, the offensive understanding, I think, for him. The game started to come down. That speed has hit that mesh point where he's starting to understand, and the game's starting to slow down. Where, again, we talked about this in previous podcasts, it's all about reacting not thinking and I think that's what we saw last night in that, in that Pacers game it was late in the game he saw an opportunity he took it upon himself and he beat a guy one-on-one yeah. throw down a thunderous dunk it was it was incredible um,
0: and, and obviously because being an Illini guy and watching him and watching him emerge that makes it makes it a fun story it is interesting sometimes it takes even a great college player a season a full season or two to figure it out, if they're ever gonna, sometimes that transition is just too much. So to see him emerge and see it do it dynamically, it's pretty cool. Hey, before before it gets nuts and the people start pouring in here, um, tell me what else you're you're looking for NBA-wise this weekend.
1: Ooh, it's actually a pretty good weekend. I'm pretty pumped actually. Today, the Memphis Grizzlies are playing a game right after pretty much Slew's gonna be wrapping up. I'm gonna be excited to watch that because right now they're the most watchable team in in the league. Uh, Phoenix is playing Washington. It's not gonna be a great game overall, but anytime you can watch Devin Booker um, and Bradley Beal's out right now. So, but anytime you can watch Phoenix, uh, it's, it's gonna be a good watch. Milwaukee, is playing Portland. I want to watch the Bucks, but I cannot stand Portland right now. They, they made a trade yesterday, Rammer. That was an absolute surrender trade. So, Dame Lillard, Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum, get the hell out of Portland. No need to watch that game today. Tomorrow, though, the 76ers and the Bulls. You want to watch Io DeSumo on a Saturday afternoon. You can do that tomorrow. Joel Embiid is making a late run for MVP. That's my biggest watch of the weekend. Sunday afternoon, 76ers and Bulls. You can just watch Io DeSumo, like I said, dominate. You can also watch Joel Embiid. Who I think is the best story in the NBA right now? Continue his just absolutely, just, you know, fire torch run in the NBA.
0: Rock, I'm going to have to let you go and we're going to have to wrap this one up. Uh, a shorter version today. A quick look around Chappets Arena. You can see the guys warming up. It won't be too much longer and this place will be filled. Chapitz holds 10 6. Oh, here come the pyrotechnic guys, all right? Flames will be shooting in the air, dancing girls. Madness, Bedlam, uh, here at Shape It's Arena. There's the Billikins warming up. Gibson, Jimerson, bang, got it. Uh, you got that one for free. Uh, hopefully, we'll see a bunch more of those today. Uh, sorry I didn't bring my earpiece when I came in at 9 o'clock this morning. It was quiet as a church, so I learned my lesson. I'll have it with See next time. Rock See you later, Rammer. You too. St. Brock Louis Acura was Ramper. the number one Acura dealer in Missouri in 2021, and we were the 17th in the nation for Acura sales volume. We sell over 100 pre-owned vehicles monthly, and we service all of the makes and models that we sell. We are waiting for verification of our 30th Acura Precision Team Award, the only dealer in the nation with so many awards for customer satisfaction and dealership performance.
1: We have 300 pre-owned vehicles in stock right now. St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you.